business and bourbon. This jet setter just got off the plane and, and flew right on over here to be part of this podcast. Let's start by telling the folks, what is it that you do? My partners and I started one of the very first cryptocurrency and management companies. What the fuck is crypto? All these brilliant technologists found a way to cut out all the third parties that have owned the financial services industry for thousands of years. We come from a system where monetary unit is created and backed by an entity. Who's that entity? Is in the crypto world. Would it surprise you that these legacy institutions have invested more into crypto than virtually any other place? We see the 25-year-old Dogecoin millionaire. I think people are thinking they need to go heavy into this. We're turning away money because people are trying to put too much into this. Folks, be excited. This is a thing, but be conservative. <laughs> it's okay if you don't invest, but if you do and you know you're not going to put the time in to study it, we've created an option for folks that fit into that category. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. My name is Ronnell Richards. I am your host and the creator of Business and Bourbon. You know, for those of you that are as old as I am, you've lived through a few of these financial booms or these opportunities to seemingly make millions overnight. You know, for me, as I started my career, it was right around the time of the dot-com boom. And we saw 20-somethings that were college students and many college dropouts that made millions of dollars overnight. And then there was the housing boom. Some of the same things. They really came from all types of walks of life to make seemingly tons of money in a very short time frame. But we also saw is that those booms eventually busted and a lot of people lost a lot of money, but there still were plenty that made money during those short periods of time. So as we fast forward to today, we're in the middle of something called cryptocurrency. And to some of you, that may be something you're very versed in, but for a lot of us, this is something we're still trying to figure out. You know, I'm not one to demonize anything in business, so I'm not gonna be the one to say, do it or don't do this. But I am gonna say, let's be informed. I know that so many of our audience, including myself, really understand this opportunity, or if it is an opportunity. So I decided to invite an expert onto the show today, Mr. Greg Johnson, who is the CEO of Rubicon Crypto, to sit down and educate us and really let us know, hey, look, is this something that we should be participating in? And if we should, how do we participate in it? What makes sense? And so just like in business and bourbon fashion, I wanted to, again, bring someone on that has wisdom, that has experience so that I can educate myself and help educate you guys, our audience. So now it's time. Go ahead and grab that cup, grab that mug, whatever it is that you like to drink. I need you to pour it in there because I want you to sit down right next to us here at the bar and enjoy a little business and bourbon. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. Guys, this is one of my most favorite times of the year. I really do love it, man. Here in Atlanta at the beautiful King and Duke, as I'm looking out and I'm seeing the beautiful lights and everything on Peachtree, it's just the only thing that would make this a little bit better is a cocktail. You guys know I've got a <laughs> cocktail ready to go. So listen, today's guest 
his business really intrigues me. I think you guys are out there probably really intrigued as well. Uh, and so I've been really excited to kind of sit down with him and talk about what the hell he does because I really don't get it. And so, and I know there are a lot of you guys out there that don't get it either, but uh, I hope that you can get some education from it. And I want to hear about his story too because he's really a fascinating guy. So let's just go ahead and hop right into it. I got Greg Johnson with me. What's going on, Good Greg? evening, sir. Good evening, good evening. Now, good evening. Greg, this jet setter just got off the plane <laughs> and flew right on over here to be part of this podcast experience. Um, where were you at? Straight out of Delta in D.C. I think you were up in D.C. not too long ago, Man, if I'm, I'm not every, mistaken, right? Listen, brother, I'm Look everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I know you I'm are. I'm not as worldwide as you, but you know we're gonna put a tracker on you like the old Mutual of Omaha days for the old folk listening. <laughs> Keep track of you on well, a GPS I, system. You're all you're everywhere. I don't know what that means because I'm dude. I'm like a I'm a Gen Z. I'm just an older Gen yeah. Z. Yeah, no idea what you're talking. Well, about. I have no idea either. <laughs> so Greg, before we get into this thing. Um, I want to know what you're drinking. We got it to first. The first question on Business Bourbon is on what is in your glass? <laughs> what are you drinking there? Well, I'm drinking uh, just a basic Glenlivet 12 single malt scotch. Probably the first scotch I got turned on to many, many, many years ago. And uh, after coming back from three days of meeting with Finnish delegates and yeah. everybody else up in D.C. over the last few days, uh, they know how to have a winter party. I, I agree with well, you, by they, the they way. This is quite a winter. vista. Yeah, isn't uh, it? I'll wear, cue the snowflakes, too, and then yeah, wouldn't that be something? You but, know what? Uh, but uh, we got them yesterday in D.C. We the of the snow. We got though. them yesterday in D.C. They like their clear liquor yeah. uh, in Finland. Uh-huh. And so, uh, so I you're said... So you're doing a little uh, bit of that. Exactly. Well, the, after all, we, we have to keep the spirits in the, in the brown variety, given the fact that we are talking about bourbon and business well, and listen, so forth. So one thing on business and bourbon. We do not... There's no judgment here. Whatever you drink, drink it. Just it's it's not about the drink. It's about the company. We want to enjoy. So hey, if you if you guys want to, have you know, some I did vodka, not get the cheat sheet on that kombucha. I did not get the oh, cheat sheet. I did not get the cheat sheet on that. You know. Well, okay. So so question I have for you sure, about your drink, sure. really quick. Yeah. So you've got a cube in there. So you're a cube guy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. You know, I just like it to open up a little bit. You know, yeah. like I said, I've been drinking. Um, scotch and whiskey for a long time and for me every you know everybody's got their thing you go to Scotland and you know how that goes just a, a ice you can get into bar fights if you start throwing ice in your scotch over there uh, your malt whiskey you know uh, uh, but to each is to, to each is to each his own right <laughs> to each his own and for me I just I like it to just sit and and open up that way nice for sure okay. so, so I am drinking something that I got a whole bunch of greenery. that's quite the concoction Isn't it's a it? it's a potion look at the, yeah. it's it so there's a bunch of greenery and let me smell it mint yes it's mint it is yeah very cool um, I love mint I do too. And so I really have no idea what it is that I'm about to drink because um, Clark Anderson the beverage manager here King okay. King and Duke great awesome. venue by the way this place yeah. is amazing Isn't it? it's, it's amazing Clark is a friend of the of the program and actually yeah. been on our program in the past and so I trust him he is my in fact guys if you if you want to go back in the catalog the beverage no it's spirit sensei that's what it is the spirit sensei that is there he goes walking right past us right oh, there he is um, anyway so I don't know what's in this but it I'm you know I've got of, you know it le- it looks pretty nice it does look let's, let's visually uh, visually I have uh, visually I have beverage envy right now I'm not gonna lie to you little, little clink there for the uh, audio audience I'm sorry guys verdict oh my god verdict so here's the thing now I wanted to pull the the mint off but, but you're I not going to do it. The experience of as soon as you put your snout down it, in there and can you smell it, it? Yes. yeah, of course. I can smell Ooh, it from here. It's amazing, delicious. Yeah, I'm a little envious. I'm not going to lie. 
I'm not going to lie. You know what? Here's the thing. I know where you can get one. So uh-huh. Uh, you can rotate okay. a little bit. So, um, Greg, as we're getting in, into this thing, let's start by telling the folks, what is it that you do? So I have the good fortune of uh, doing something that very, very few people are doing right now. My partners and I, we've started one of the very first cryptocurrency and digital asset management companies. And so we actually manage portfolios of cryptocurrencies and tokens, digital assets and the like. And uh, right now, in the U.S. at least, there's only a couple ways that folks can purchase their cryptocurrency. They can either do it themselves online, they open up an account with, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Coinbase or Kraken or FTX, all the exchanges that are out there. And if that's what you like to do, go after it. And then on the other side, the other alternative uh, in the crypto investment space largely has been around some of these derivative products that you've probably heard of, like Grayscale. These are investment vehicles that don't hold or invest directly in crypto, but they create derivative products that kind of sort of follow the movement of how those underlying uh, cryptocurrencies uh, perform. And so what we said was, you know, look, I think there's room somewhere between those two very different bookends. There seemed like there was a lot of room to kind of bring what people are already comfortable and familiar with in the traditional investment world, which I was involved in for 25 years, and create actively managed portfolios uh, with real crypto that you own your pieces of, and we manage it professionally for people. And we literally launched the business after about eight or nine months of due diligence and regulatory approvals and all of the things that you need to do nowadays to make sure you're compliant. And we really just started taking in money over the, the past couple of months. And I got to tell you something, and I told you this off mic, but you know we've underestimated the demand for common sense crypto solutions. And that's really what we're all about. It's about connecting the dots from what people have historically done in their investment portfolios with crypto. And we're one of the first to be doing it right so now. So I find that very yeah. interesting. But here's the thing. You know, our audience, they are all over the globe. They are in different demographics. We have a diverse audience. Let's, okay. put, let's put it there. Okay. Put it that way. So my question to you is, what the fuck is crypto? <laughs> can, can we, can we no, start I have no, there? I have, I have no idea. No, 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 no. In all, in all seriousness, it's um, it, this is a very exciting time. I think we'll look back 20, 30 years from now. And we'll probably be thinking about this I conversation. Like an asshole for saying that. Yeah. Well, no, 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 not at all. Idiot. What no, 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 and no. You won't. Not at all. What What we'll look back is we'll say that this was the approximate time where one of the last big pieces of human society went through its next uh, evolution. When you really think about it, money and the notion of money, how we think about it, really hasn't changed a lot over the last thousand years. Yeah. The way we pay for things has obviously changed, but the notions of how we think about money haven't changed. Yeah. Back to the spirit of your question, and it's a great question, it's a question I get all the time, but the best way to describe it is it's essentially all the technology, all the computational power, all of the things that are going on in our society, all these brilliant technologists have found a way to essentially cut out all the third parties that have owned the financial services industry for thousands and thousands of years. We always joke a little bit about what's the oldest profession. You've heard that before. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. Insurance companies, banks, financial institutions. It's, a, it's lawyers, they're, right? They're, it's attorneys, yeah, right? Yeah, it's attorneys. <laughs> Them too. But in all seriousness, these legacy industries have been around forever. And they've always taken a piece of the action. 
And what the last 30 years with the advances in technological and computational power have allowed us to do as a society is to basically say, look, we now have the, the computer power to create uh, cryptography using, again, computers that allows people to make transactions, to exchange currency for goods and services, and to do so without using the kind of traditional currencies most folks are familiar with, and to do it without a third party. And typically we're talking about banks, financial institutions, people that wire money. The need to do that from the technological standpoint no longer exists. Okay. This is a sea change. And I think that it's important for people to understand that if you go back and you want to say, well, I don't, I'm not sure I understand this. Well, as old as time, when trying as humans to figure out how do we send stuff from one party to another without a secret being exposed? And everyone's probably heard of the Da Vinci Code movies and even some of those old James Bond movies from Sean Connery days. They're always talking about devices that were a cryptography and they would be able to figure out how to decode secret yeah. messages. In the Da Vinci Code, there was the, the cipher that allowed the messages to be deciphered and to figure out where, where the puzzle was taking the story. And the reality is we've just moved that into the digital realm. This brilliant generation of cryptographers, computer engineers, these technologists, they've really come up with ways to build off some of the work of people in the 90s and you know the first part of this century to now move money or move value from one party to another without the name being there and without having to do it through the government approval, without somebody taking their cut. Well, and that's revolutionary. Well, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's break this down sure. on a elementary level. Okay. Sure. You know, sitting down with leaders and enjoying a great cocktail while recording this podcast is one of my most very favorite things to do. I enjoy it so much. And I hope that you, our listeners, also enjoy what we do. If you do, I'm going to ask you a quick favor of you. If you could just pause this recording, go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast on, and write us a quick review and a five-star rating. It means the world to us, and it will help us to expose this podcast to more people out there. And if you're really feeling us, why don't you go ahead and hit that share button and share this valuable wisdom just one of your friends. We'd appreciate it. All right, now back to the show. So I think that most of us out there will acknowledge that this is a thing, right? Uh, Crypto.com just paid like $800 million to sponsor the, to become the new naming sponsor yeah. of the uh, basketball arena in Los Angeles. Sure. So it's a thing. There's money there. There's something that's going on. But one of the things I think that a lot of people struggle with and understanding is, you know, we understand traditional currency. Correct. Traditional currency Correct. is backed by a government. And, yeah. you know, and that government secures that currency. You know, you are asking the great questions. But, you know, the, the spirit of the question you just asked, it really is a American lens. The question comes from an American lens. It's been good to be an American from the standpoint of, since World War II, we have been the dominant player. Everything has revolved around the U.S. dollar. Not by accident, by the way. 
not by accident. So it's been good to be us. When I answer that question, because I get it all the time, the first thing we have to do is to say, look, um, let's set aside the fact that if you or I were born in Argentina or in Venezuela or in Israel or in 30 other countries over the last 15 years that have gone through hyperinflation, yeah. they do not give a flying you-know-what. Whether or not I've the currency that word so flying <laughs> flying you did yeah they do not give a you know what yeah about whether or not their currency is backed by the government because it's worthless because it's gone through hyperinflation sure. so we've been insulated in a, in our developed economy from those notions secondly before I go into your question a little bit more something else we need to kind of recognize there are a lot of people uh, way smarter than me from an economic standpoint and PhDs and people that study this for their entire lives, and you've heard some of this debate, I've heard you talk about this, is that with all the Fed policy as of late, we've been printing money. I know you've heard that. It's whatever the intention, whether it was good reasons or not, pandemic related, or previously it was, you know, the, the financial meltdown of a dozen years or so ago at this point in time, we started printing money or doing what's called quantitative easing. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who think, you know what, that's not a good thing for an economy. It, you know, it, it can really weaken it long term. And because we're number one, we're on the king of the hill, so to speak, we are able to get away with it. Part of the reason some of the uh, these other countries, you may have heard of El Salvador being the first country to adopt Bitcoin as its approved national currency. They were, the, they, yeah, they were the first country to do that. It's not the only reason. Are we following El Salvador now? We're like, not. We're, we're not. But other countries are. But their currency was pegged to the U.S. dollar. When we print more money, it, it hurts our purchasing power. But when you're another country that's aligned your currency with the U.S. dollar, it hurts you even more. There's an exponential trickle-down effect. And so this policy that our government has been pursuing, and this is not a, a new notion. This is not you know, something that I came up with at all. This, is, this has been debated vigorously for a long time. It's not healthy. It can, it, it can have very serious structural damages. So let's set that aside for a little bit. You brought up uh, the question that I get a lot, which is, you know, how can something be a currency? How can it be money if it's not backed by a government, a sovereign entity? The properties of money, fiat currency it's called, the U.S. dollar and every other, you know, country's currency is called fiat money, Okay. The first time I ever heard that, I think back in college, I'm like, what did the Italian motor car industry have to do with, Hmm. you know, fiat currency? And fiat money, the U.S. dollar, the euro, all of these currencies you're familiar, the rupee, the digital, the, the yuan in China, whatever it is, they have three things in common. To be money, it has to be a medium of exchange, right? So you can exchange it for goods or services and so forth. It has to be a unit of account and a store of value. So those are the three properties that describe what money is. But there's a fourth, and that's the social contract. That means that the society that's involved with that currency has to buy into it. I could make an argument to you that you actually participate in a currency system, probably pretty regularly knowing your lifestyle, okay, that has nothing to do with being backed by a sovereign government. There are many other people around the world that participate in currency exchange that has nothing to do with a government's currency. So I can make a pretty strong argument that the 
membership and loyalty programs that you participate in through your credit card purchases, your Delta uh, flying habit, those have many of the same properties of a currency. The reality is there are, are many, many, many people around the world that are participating in a currency that is not backed up by a foreign okay, government. Okay, so, so yeah. what I'm hearing, okay, is the more people that buy into it, the more valid it is, no matter what the currency is. Okay, cool. Got it. What I'm still looking for you to help us out with, sure. again, we come from a, a system where, you know, again, the monetary unit is created and, and backed by an entity. Who's that entity in the crypto world? To get at that, I think you have to go back to the first of these digital currencies, which we all know now is Bitcoin. It's not an accident that Bitcoin rose from the ashes of the financial crisis that we experienced a dozen years ago. And whoever Satoshi is, who's the, the creator of Bitcoin, and there's much speculation about whether he or she is one person, yeah, whether it's a group person. of people, so on and so forth. But it's not a surprise or an accident that the notion of the first Bitcoin paper that came about followed the meltdown of the financial services industry that, frankly, we were right on the edge. We were right there, right there on the edge. And there was a level of frustration that came from these governments, these big banks, these big financial institutions that we pay a big chunk of our hard-earned dollars to, messed everything up. Why do we trust these third parties, which is to avoid that kind of nonsense, to regulate and try and make sure that we have stability in the financial system. When we had that shockwave take place, technologists said, look, actually, you don't need a government to confirm, uh, you wanna buy this uh, drink, okay, great. Uh, I can verify that you have this money and uh, he has the money, yes, check. So we're rubber stamping the exchange of money between two parties. And historically, that's always been a bank, a financial institution, or if you were sending money overseas, that, that kind of wire company, that Western Union company, whatever, whoever it is, right? You had to have somebody that was willing to, for a fee, say, we are verifying that this money is coming from here. Yep. We will verify this money is going there. And what Satoshi in his white paper basically said is, look, we have the computational power now based on uh, mathematics to be able to send money value from one place to another without anybody else validating it. By creating a system that everybody participates in equally and because of the math behind well, it. What if everyone doesn't participate in it? Well therein lies the, the key. You have to have this participation. If you don't have a participation then we're not having this conversation. There has to be that social contract. There has to be that large body of people participating in order for there to be scale. So to be yeah. clear, again, elementary, I want to boil this down a little bit, easy for everyone to digest. Crypto's the over making a comparison to whiskey. Sure. Whiskey <laughs> okay. is, is the, this ought to be good. the top category, right? That's the main category. And within that category, you have scotch, you have bourbon, you have rye. Those are all different types of whiskey. So crypto, that is the whiskey. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin and Dogecoin and 
Ron L coin, and, <laughs> well, B coin, those yeah. are all different types of cryptocurrencies. Now you're touching on one of the big frustrations, I think, for a lot of us in the industry right now, which is it's too late, but cryptocurrency is really become a cash phrase that poorly groups all of these emerging technologies uh, under one umbrella, and I think it does a very bad job of it. But the genie's out of the bottle, and we're just going to be there. The technology that is consistent in all of different uh, crypto and digital projects that are out there, you may have heard of blockchain. Okay. Okay. And blockchain is at the core of the technology. What blockchain does is, is if you can remember the trauma that you felt in your... So before you, yeah, before well, you okay. explain that... Yes. Am I wrong? Am I right or wrong in what it was that I just said? You know, you're always self-deprecating at times. No, you've got a you've got a strong handle on this. You really do. No, you're right. I don't think that I do. No, you you, 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 you let's chop it up a bit more and, and kind of dive into it. I think that the first thing that people need to accept about all of this is that it is legitimate technology. Principles that were in theory in the fifties and sixties game theory that was taught in some of the finest institutions across the land about game theory, something called Byzantine general theory, about how can you verify something when you, you're not sure if, if the parties are going to behave a certain way. Mathematically, there are ways to do that. And with the advent of the, the, the computer and the, the increased computational power, these kind of theoretical principles can now be mathematically verified. But blockchain is at the very foundation of all of this industry. What blockchain basically does is, if you can remember, the, for me at least, there was trauma going to my high school you know, accounting 101 class. And for as long as human beings have been trading goods and services, as long as they've been doing that, there has been a ledger that basically said, bought this, paid that, my account is, is my value, this is what I deposited, this is what I withdrew, whether it was on papyrus, whether it was scratched yeah. on a cave, people have been tracking what somebody did to exchange for that good and service over time. We then did it on paper. Uh, we then had uh, computer programs like QuickBooks and so forth to do that. And now what the blockchain allows people to do is to have that same ledger, but to do it with code, to do it in a way where my name isn't on there, your name isn't on there, but we can actually send value to each other back and forth and do it in a secret way that doesn't have to be verified and the fee and the cut isn't taken like it is in the traditional banking and financial services space. And when you think about that at a very profound level, you must realize that in 2019, just a, it's an odd fact, but 2019, 2.3% 2 of global GDP, two, over $2 trillion came just from the fees, just from the fees that banks around the world take if you're working as an immigrant in the UK and you want to send money back to uh, the home country, you're giving up a big piece of it. You've got people that are working here in the United States, expat, that send money back and forth. They, it's really expensive to do that. It's unconscionable how much money it costs. So the notion of what blockchain and then cryptocurrencies are allowing people to do is to bypass all these incumbents and they're terrified. Something to think about, just to go off, off, go a little bit ahead a little bit, I think this is interesting. You probably heard of Bank of America. Uh, I, think yeah, so. I think so. Probably heard of JP Morgan Chase. 
Would it surprise you that these legacy institutions have invested more into crypto and blockchain technologies than virtually any other place? And by the way, over the last few years, there have been trillions when invested. When you say invest, what do you mean? You mean invest what they're in the doing. research, ah, invest in ah, creating their all, own? The answer is C, all of the above. Okay. So what they're doing is they're, they're like, um, on the one hand, some of the senior executives, well, uh, we'll keep their names out of this, Jamie Diamond. We'll keep I'm their names, we'll keep, no, no, we'll keep their names out of this. <laughs> what they're saying publicly is, uh, crypto is the you know the scourge of the earth. It's doesn't it's not real. It's it's uh, it's it's malarkey. It's whatever. And then what they're doing on the other side of their face, they're turning around and, and directing their executive teams to buy blockchain companies that are startups. They're directing their their teams to hoard talent coming out of MIT and Berkeley and all of these you know really really um, engineering driven schools. They're spending billions and billions of dollars to hire the best and brightest minds from around the world so that they can stall the momentum. In some cases, this is not a new idea, but if you're a legacy company and you're afraid of being disrupted, one of the easiest ways to preserve the status quo is to do what? Buy out the competition, buy out these emerging sure. technologies, and not invest in them so that they can grow to maturity, but just catch and kill, if you will, the expression. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I think that that is a strategy, but other times well, it's to, yes, slow it, maybe, so they can take control over that over something that's unstoppable. There's no question they're doing both, but, initi but initially, but, an but oh, co for sure. <laughs> the technology for all of the electric vehicles that we see today, that was available way back in the day, 100 years ago. So you're right. But that has been going on up until now. Yes, they are figuring out, well, how can if we if we can't beat them? How do we join them? And how do we make sure that we get our cut? Of course, they're trying to do that, but for the past five years, the majority of that investment has been around figuring out how do we still maintain our primacy. And again, I'm not an anarchist. Sure. I'm not I'm not looking to blow up everything that's out there. But this is what what is taking place. This is revolutionary technology on so many many different levels. So you know, many different levels. You know, there are so many different. Things there's so many different ways. There's so much nuance to this whole discussion. You're and, absolutely and, right. And you and you obviously you know you travel the country having these discussions with people that are much smarter than I in the world of finance. And a lot of folks that are listening to our podcast, you know, they're not financial experts. Meaning right. that you know that's that's not the business that they're in. They're in other businesses. So. If you're looking to educate yourself, right, you want to know more about this stuff because, again, I think most people have come to the, the realization that this is a thing and, sure. they, and they want to take advantage of it, but sure. they don't want to act like they're their 19 year old kid they want to be more <laughs> they want to be more informed in the decisions right. that they right, make. Right. So no. where can they go for education? Listen, folks, as you can tell, we have a tremendous time on the podcast. We have such a fun time hanging out, having some cocktails and talking business. Can you imagine what that would be like in person if you were hanging out there with us in person, sitting in the table right next to me? Well, guess what? You don't have to imagine. Yeah, we're doing it. Business and Bourbon is touring, and we want you to come out and see us. What you need to do is go to businessandbourbon.live. Go ahead and enter your information into our website and we'll let you know when we're coming to your city. What you can expect is an 
awesome event where other business and bourbon listeners in our community, we're going to come together and we're going to network. We're going to have a great time, enjoy some good whiskeys, talk a little business and beyond. Can't wait to see you guys there. So make sure go to businessandbourbon.live. Get your free membership. Make sure that you're in the house when I'm in your house. You know, I, I can I can tell you what I did, and that might be informative. When I was first asked to kind of come into this project that became Rubicon Crypto, I spent 25 years in the traditional financial services industry. And I must say to you that 10 years ago, I was not in the choir. And I don't think I fully appreciated what was happening at that time. I'm not embarrassed to say that. Uh, but it's just a product of being a part of an industry, a legacy industry like financial services for that amount of time. But I did get exposed to the notions of blockchain back in 2013. I truly understood the notion of what blockchain could do. Mm -hmm. A permanent record of transactions, a permanent record of contracts. Uh, it has profound implications if we have time to get into it. It's a very exciting topic. We However, that. Okay. <laughs> all right. So if that's the case, let me, let me move forward and answer your question very directly. If you really, truly want to commit to understanding this, I strongly recommend people go to the open source MIT course at, from Sloan Business School that was taught in 2018 by the now uh, chairman of the SEC, Gary Gensler. So this is a fella who was a Goldman Sachs savant, brilliant, brilliant guy. Also. Uh, as knowledgeable in the broader financial services and the markets as anybody I think that walks the earth today. And he took a sabbatical and went to MIT to teach a course called Blockchain and Money, Blockchain and Finance. If you use the Google, you'll find it very, very easily. And you literally can go through the entire course. And I recommend, you know, certainly if you just watch the videos, that's great. But if you really want to get into it, you can actually go onto the open source uh, uh, website at MIT. They'll actually, you can see the lecture slides, you can see all the readings, okay. and you can go through the entire so class. So that's if you really want to get it. What if you want to be able to have a basic conversation? We have this stuff. thing called the internet that is amazing. I've heard about it, but here's the <laughs> thing about that thing. They call it the internet. There are a lot of different varying opinions. There are more opinion stuff than fact-based yeah. stuff. And so, yeah. you know, you can find what you want to find. So as our resident expert, sure. Where can people go to get some basic? I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you there, there's so, there are so many different options that are out there. I, I would say, look, I'll give a shameless plug. If you go to Rubicon Crypto, we think we've put it's some very, plug very, very basic educational content about the notions of what is blockchain, what are NFTs, what are all of these foundational technologies? Well, that's one place you well, can Greg, go. That's what we're looking that's for. What that's we're what most that's of us what are we looking do. for. Just very, basic very basic. So you can do that. And so, then I think there are a number of other places that you can you well, can back to yours. Yeah, please. RubiconCrypto.com. Dot com. Yep. RubiconCrypto.com. Okay. And we have a series of what we call crypto kitchen table talks that basically in three to five minutes, depending on how meaty the topic is, uh, break down what is blockchain. What's a smart contract? Yeah. What's an NFT? What are the issues of the day that people are talking about with respect to digital assets and crypto? And I, and I have to say the feedback has been terrific. And we've kept it at that 30,000 foot level that you were alluding to earlier. Again, I think that's what most of us want. It's just like, you know, 
any other your four hundred one ks. Correct. You know, Half most of us don't want to know everything. No, that you know, you no folks don't. But I will say one of the things that kind of motivated me to to be a part of this enterprise and to become the co-founder and the CEO of the company was a sense of seeing all of the misinformation that's out there in the marketplace right now. It's it's unbelievable how much nonsense, how many charlatans are out there. There's a lot of shenanigans going on in this space. A lot of it. This week marks the 25th anniversary of a famous speech by the first celebrity Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan. Mm -hmm. In 1996, on December 5th, in Washington, D.C., he spoke to a dinner. Uh, there were some economists there. And in the dinner, he remarked that there seemed to be, there's a sense of irrational exuberance around the markets. And what he was basically saying is, he didn't understand what the hell was going on with the, the sure stocks exactly. and bond market. He didn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And he says, there exists a climate of irrational exuberance. Mm-hmm. And we feel at Rubicon, the same thing is going on right now with crypto. And so we use that as kind of the core of what we don't want to be. We want to be about rational exuberance. We want people to be excited about what the future is. We believe that digital and crypto will be one of the most important evolutions, not only just with money, but of technology in human society. We believe that. And yet, we advise people to only put 3 to 5% of their investment portfolio into crypto. Not the nonsense that we trip over today where people think that you're going to invest in crypto and you're going to double your money overnight. Here's the thing with that, Greg. What we see often is all of this is a sensationalization of it, right? And so we see, Very the, much so. we see the 25-year-old Dogecoin millionaire. And so, yeah, I think people are thinking they need to go heavy into this or they're seeing other people that are talking about going heavy into it. So I think that what you just said was really profound, you know, coming from someone with a very serious financial background that you're telling your clients 3 to 5%. Max. Three to five percent is the number. And again, there's always an exception. If you're a lady or gent who, during the crisis 12 years ago, you mortgaged the house, took all of the cash, borrowed money to invest in the stock market, okay, you're somebody that can probably put more than five percent in. For most of us mortals, three to five percent. This way, you're not going to miss out on what we believe is going to be one of those big, big movements. And if you keep it at 3 to 5%, you're not going to get hurt during the volatility that we promised clients is going to take place. What's so funny is I spent my entire career when I was in private practice as a CFP, spent my entire career trying to figure out how do I gather all the assets that a client might have? How do I manage all of the insurance portfolio? And as I just told you, now I'm giving the Heisman Trophy stiff arm to say, no, 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 we don't, we're turning away money, believe it or not, because people are trying to put too much into this. We won't take responsibility for that hmm. because we still, we are in the infancy of this industry. And to your point, and this is what frustrates me a little bit, you know, we get lazy and we get lazy sound bites from the, from the traditional media in, in many cases where all you hear about is that one person that strikes it rich, if you will. Yeah. What you don't hear is the fact that, that they may have made a million, but they didn't sell and now they lost it. And for every one of those that truly does cash out and takes advantage of it, there are thousands that get that get in trouble, that lose their money. And you bring up Dogecoin. 
I don't know if Dogecoin is going to be uh, around for a long period of time. I've long ago learned not to poo-poo or to be dismissive. Yeah. For our criteria, we don't have it in our portfolios. And um, what I can tell you, though, is that what's cool about blockchain and crypto, if you're disciplined and you really want to get into it and study it, you can see anonymously, but you can see the ownership breakdown of all of these different crypto projects. And with Dogecoin, one individual owns almost a quarter of all of the Dogecoin that's really? in circulation. One individual. Who is that? It's anonymous. We don't know. Ah. What we do know is... You can control. <laughs> <laughs> what, what we do know is that lady or gent, whoever it is, or if it's, a, if, it's a, if it's a pool, right? Whoever that is, if they decide to dump, you're not going to know about it when they do it. That's what I think people often don't look at, and they don't take into consideration as much as they should. And these are the kind of things that we're trying to, to alert people to, to educate people that you need to have common sense when it comes to these projects. If you don't, you run the risk of, quite frankly, a higher risk of, of you losing money versus the opposite scenario, which we all want. Well, you know, Greg, that's what I appreciate you bringing to this conversation about yeah. cryptocurrencies because... Um, again, like you said, the 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 exuberance. What, what was that term that you said, Greenspan? Well, used? Greenspan was irrational, irrational exuberance. exuberance. And literally, if you go to RubiconCrypto.com, we have videos about it. And we talk about this notion of folks having, instead of irrational exuberance, having rational yeah. exuberance. Yeah. So again, I, I appreciate you bringing that to the conversation sure. because this is, this is something that people are trying to figure out. Yeah. People but, are excited about. What that means when you say, well, what is rational exuberance? It's just a catchphrase. Well, what, is, what it really means is, okay, first of all, what we believe at Rubicon is that, of course, the society we live in will be in 5, 10, or 15, or 20 years more technologically dependent. Duh. Of course it will. The question is, what we believe is that our society will become increasingly more digitally dependent. That is really the first place people need to be at mentally, if they're going to invest in crypto and digital assets, is that do you or do you not believe that more and more of our lives will be in a digital realm? Yeah. And we're seeing that in the gaming industry. Obviously, Facebook, you've heard of the headlines, they're deeply committed to the metaverse and so on and so forth. That's just one realm. But we've come to the conclusion that whether it's in 5, 10, or 15, more and more human life will be digital in terms of the technology. That's the foundation in so, terms of our so interest. Let me ask you a question yeah. about your, your firm and the type of clients that you that you have. And sure. I know you guys are, in, I don't I think you said you're not really actively going out there looking for clients because a lot of people want to be part of this. But what does your typical client look like? You know, it's a great question. I think for the most part, our clients are not the, the type that are going to want to do it yourself. So we tend to see people that uh, fall into the, I don't, I don't have time to deal with this, but I know I want to have exposure. So it's not predicated on age. You know, it's not age. So we have some people in their 20s that are just dialed in as entrepreneurs or don't have the time to, to dedicate, but they know they want to have exposure. And just like the rest of their financial portfolio, they use a third party. They use another professional to help them. So okay. So that fits. So we have folks that are in their 50s. We have folks that are in their 60s. But what we are very adamant about is whoever it is, 
it's that three to five percent of your investment portfolio comes into crypto. And maybe this doesn't surprise you, but we have people that will hear me do a, do a show like this. They'll hear me talk on the radio. I'll do a TV spot. And somebody will call in and they'll say, well, can I just wire in X amount of money? And I'm like, I can't believe people even will do that. I shouldn't be surprised anymore. And then I actually heard that's somebody that somebody said, that's what somebody said, well, I don't have the liquid investment portfolio, you know, for, to meet your minimums uh, at Rubicon. Should I sell my investment property? And I'm like, hell no, no. That's irrational exuberance. No, yeah. no. It's okay if you don't invest. But if you do, and you know you're not the kind of do-it-yourselfer, you know you're not going to put the time in to study it and to, to really pay attention to what's going on, then we've created an option for folks that fit into that category that are typically the people that transfer that responsibility to their CFP, to their financial advisor, whoever she or he is. And we kind of serve that same purpose for people, but just so, with digital and crypto. So if there's someone that's listening to this program out yeah. there, watching this content, and, and they, they have interest in um, and working with your firm, how do they do that? Same thing. We do it right. You can reach out to us at Rubicon Crypto. You can you can get in contact with us there, and we're lickety split. And we do it every single day, literally. We have people that reach out, and we follow up. We have a very structured process. We'll have a conversation. We'll chop it up with people, and we'll give an honest take. We'll say, look, we think this is something that might be appropriate for you, and here's, here's why. And then folks can make up their own minds. But it's like everything else today. So... You know, they reach out, they, they you know, fill out some contact information, and we, we're within 24 hours they'll hear from us, without nice. exception. Without exception. Greg, i got to tell you, man, this is a conversation, or not, not even a conversation, this is, this is an education that I have been wanting to have to you know, be part of business sure. for, for, for quite some time now. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that <laughs> we don't have the time to talk about as we're running up on our time, but... I want everyone to know that you know you can go to RubiconCrypto.com, get educated, find out what you're doing. And, and what I really pulled from this, it was super powerful for yeah. me. Outside of this other, you know, the kind of the basic education stuff, is to be conservative with this. Be yeah. excited about it. That's what I'm hearing, folks. Be excited. This is a thing, but be conservative. <laughs> yeah. You know, look. When I was a young gentleman, and I was in the industry in 1996. Believe it or not, at that time. There was not really this, what we look at as just normal today, like many things. There really wasn't, until the early 90s, 24-7 financial news networks. There was no 24-7 coverage. The notion of that news cycle with the financial industry didn't exist. And then you had CNBC, you had Bloomberg, and all of these things 24-7. And it was at that time where... We're in Atlanta, you better shout out well, CNN. CNN, so. of course, but fully dedicated to financial industry okay. coverage. And then you see that one speech really changed everything. It was such a, it was like journalistic catnip. It was like catnip to have that phrase and it became a signature quote of his. Yeah. And what we felt was we're gonna borrow from that and flip it around and speak about rational topics. I love it, man. So again, folks, if you wanna work with Greg, go to the website. You wanna learn some more, go to the website. Um, man, this has been very educational for me. This is something we could sit and talk about for hours. There's a lot but to talk about. I, but I respect you guys. This is my audience. And I know that you give us about half an hour of your time. And so I hope that you got a lot from this. I know that I certainly did. Greg, this was this was amazing. That was a pleasure, man. Congratulations Thank on all your success and everything you're doing for the entrepreneurial and the business community. It's amazing. Thank you so much. But yeah. it's all about the folks that 
are listening right now. It's yeah, about it's our terrific. community, man. It's about about the audience, about serving them. So we appreciate you guys. Your compliment to me is a compliment to all you listeners out there. I'll echo that then. Thank you guys for listening. As always, when we close, on three, one, two, yeah. three, we out. Thank you for listening to the Business and Bourbon Podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we do a whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.